Okay, my name's Chris Lane. Welcome to the Vineyard. If you're here for the first time, you, you are very welcome. Our prayer is that you will encounter Jesus, not that you'll just have a nice cup of coffee, meet some nice people, have a donut or whatever. Our prayer is that, and the reason we do all of this is that you might encounter Jesus. That's what we have been praying and, and aspiring to, and thank God in some cases actually doing over the last 25 years. Let's just pray and we'll get straight into today's word. Holy Spirit, I want to say thank you to you because your faithfulness is breathtaking, Lord God. You always show up. We've got great people in this church, many great staff members, ministry leaders, volunteers, a great bunch of people, but sometimes we let uh, you down, but you never let us down. You are always here and never more than when we worship, never more than when we share your word. So Father, I pray now that you would pour out your richest blessing. Jesus, I pray that you'd be glorified. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come now and that you would edify us and that you would meet with us here. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Okay, well, we continue our Life Wins series. And uh, I'm not going to do a recap of that, but uh, we've had some fun over the last two or three weeks. If this whets your appetite, if this is the first one of this series you've heard, you can go onto our podcast, you can watch the video cast as well, it's up there, and you can sort of do some catch-up, and that wouldn't be a bad thing to do. But we're talking about Life Wins, and the subtitle for this is Extreme Forgiveness. Extreme Forgiveness. And uh, actually, it doesn't get more extreme than Jesus hanging on the cross, does it, and breathing those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, even as they've nailed him up there. I mean, it doesn't get much more extreme than that. But we're going to look today at uh, the, uh, the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends. Um, and we're going to think about this, this business of extreme forgiveness. And uh, many will know where I'm going with this, but we're going to be looking at, at Jesus' reinstatement of Peter as head of his church. A little bit more of that, but, but before we do that, I'd love to show you this little clip from Les Miserables. Some of you will know this, but let's just watch this. Thanks, James. Thank you. It's a powerful passage thing, isn't it? That? I love that, and that's the older version, of course, <clears throat> not the latest version. I love the fact that life wins, that this gospel of ours is irrepressible. I love the fact that, you know, the Les Mis has been probably, well, I, I don't know, you'll tell me it is, the most successful uh, musical in recent history. It's always showing somewhere. And at the very heart of that great sort of Broadway, West End show is this message of redemption. There is something about it that resonates with something deep within us. We, there is an if only deep within us. And the if only is, if only I could redeem myself. If only I could find my way back home. If only someone would come and save me. If only. So this message of redemption is, is something that resonates very deeply within us. And of course, the very heart of the gospel of Jesus is that his father himself, in his son Jesus, dying upon the cross, who has reached out and rescued us with, with extreme love, extreme passion, and extreme forgiveness. We're going to look at this story now of, of another resurrection appearance after Jesus had died, rose from the dead. And this is quite an intimate one. And just to remind you, 
Peter, who is the sort of center character in this next to the Lord Jesus himself, Peter has had a rather checkered history as the leader of the early church in that he's a brush, he's a brusque guy. He's, he's rather sort of, you know, uh, loud mouthed. He jumps in with both feet first and then regrets it later. He was the one, yes, that Jesus uh, rebuked and said, get behind me, Satan. You, you're on the wrong page entirely. You, you're after the things of men, not the things of God. He survived that. At the Last Supper, when Jesus said about washing the disciples' feet, that wonderful, poignant side, side, uh, uh, image of God forgiving and cleansing us, he said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. But then, uh, then Jesus, of course, won him over and spoke. Peter is the one that says, I will never deny you, Jesus. I will follow you to the ends of the earth. I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, Peter, you be, will deny me three times before this night is out. And he did. He denied his Lord. And it broke him. And so this story is, is post the resurrection. Jesus has risen from the dead. It's before he's ascended into the heaven to be with his father. And it's all about extreme forgiveness and the way the Lord Jesus comes to us and gives us a second chance. Let's read the story. It's, it'll come up on the screen. Follow it on your blackberries or in your Bible, whatever, beginning at uh, chapter 21. Let me just have a quick coffee. <coughs> oh, sorry, you enjoyed that, didn't you? <laughs> Should switch my microphone off next time. Okay. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. Did the same with the fish. 
This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this, to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now I want a major on the conversation between Jesus and uh, Peter there, but just one or two little things just to draw out. Uh, it's interesting because Peter, I, I think we can safely say, say, was feeling absolutely wretched even in the light of Jesus' resurrection, whereas the other disciples were going, he's alive. And of course, Jesus, because of his deep and real and profound love for Jesus, was thrilled with that. Nonetheless, he was carrying with him a burden of shame, which, which quite frankly would sink anyone. And because of the kind of activist nature of Peter, he couldn't sit around any longer. They'd sat around. Jesus had appeared twice. They hadn't been arrested. They thought they might be, but who knows? That might still happen. You know, there was a lot of kind of hanging around and waiting. And after a while, Peter, you know, and some of us are like this. I get a bit like this myself. I can't stand it anymore, just kind of hanging around. He just says, that's it. I'm going fishing. And Peter goes back to what he knows. He goes back to his day job. It's the only thing he knows. And that's not a bad thing to do. You know, last orders is good orders. You know, when you, you don't know what else to do, just get on with life. Take the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step. And finally, you, you get somewhere. So Peter said, I can't stand it anymore, God. I'm going fishing. And some of the others were getting a bit stir-crazy as well. And so they say, we'll come with you. So he goes fishing, and then even with that, you know, having failed Jesus, having not been the man he hoped he, had, he was and all the rest of it, when it comes to fishing, what he knows and what he's been raised as, a, you know, a fisherman, son of a fisherman, son of a fisherman, son of a fisherman, he can't, he, they can't even catch any fish. Even the thing he's supposed to be good at, he can't do. And then this stranger on the shore, it's just, dawn is just breaking, a silhouette on the shore, there's a little glow of coals, calls out to them, have you caught anything? Nothing unusual about that. You know, people were waiting for breakfast, wait till the fishermen come in, getting a little hungry, a little impatient. And they shout back, no. And then, 
this stranger on the shore says, throw your net over the other side. And bang, they do that. And immediately they're into a, a, a huge catch. Suddenly it's all action and activity and they're struggling to hold it and struggling to steady the boat. And John, the author of this book, the disciple whom Jesus loves, says to Peter, he says, it's the Lord, it's gotta be the Lord. And Peter isn't gonna to wait to find out, he plunges over. They're only, they, he may have even waded in, I'm not, you know, who knows, whatever. Swam, walked, no matter. He gets in and of course it is Jesus, risen. And he's got a little breakfast fire going. And anyway, they all come in and this conversation begins. All I really want you to note from that is that there's good reason why Peter should feel ashamed. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't curse anyone with shame. It's no fun. It's not God. And if you're struggling with shame, well, then you've come to the right place because Jesus is in the house and he wants to deal with that this morning. At the end of this service, I'm going to invite any of you, all of you, if you wish, to come forward just to, just to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I, I, I thank you for your reinstatement, your forgiveness, your cleansing. I want to be free of that. I want to go on with you. So just a bit of a heads up. Don't want to freak you out. We don't do that kind of thing every Sunday. We do it occasionally. So this is one of those Sundays. You'll have an opportunity just to come down and get some prayer. So Peter is struggling with this thing. He, he can barely look Jesus in the eye. He doesn't feel like, see fast Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. That was the name that Jesus gave him. He feels like a useless fisherman, Simon son of John, who can't even get that right. And it's interesting because Jesus meets him absolutely where he is. Jesus says to him, not Cephas, Peter, you know, the apostle on which the whole church and every pope to come will be, you know, et cetera, et cetera. No, he just says Simon, son of John. Isn't that interesting? It was Jesus who gave him this name Peter, but actually Jesus takes it right back to the first time they ever met. Right back to the beginning. And he calls him Simon, son of John. And that's right, because that's who Peter feels like. I thought we were something. I thought I was something. I'm not. I'm just Joe Blow, and just leave me alone. I'm a fisherman. Just go away, oh God. You know. In one of the other accounts where Peter meets with Jesus, he says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Just, just leave me alone. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, without getting too pedantic here, and I don't know that we should make too much store of this, but the Greek is a little interesting there because Jesus says to, to Peter, he says, do you love me? And the Greek there is agape. And love, that's a, that, there's three kinds of love. Of course, there's eros, the, the love a, a man and a woman would have, a sexual love. There's phileo love, the love that one has with one family and brethren. And there's agape, which is a higher love. It's a, a self-sacrificing love. It's where you lay down your life for a cause and for, it's, it's, it's the highest attainment in terms of love. That, you know, when a man or a woman lays down their lives for others for no other thing than they, 
They love them and they've given themselves to a cause. And Jesus says, do you agape me? Because that's what Peter claimed. He said, I will follow you to the end of this world. I will even die with you. I will never deny you. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And he replies, he says, and it's interesting, because he knows who he's talking to. He's talking not just to Jesus, but he's talking to the Son of God, so he can't lie. It would have been easy to say, well, obviously I don't love you. Don't, don't, don't be cruel. You know, I failed you. I don't love you enough. Jesus draws him out. Peter looks into his heart. And actually to say he didn't love him would be a lie. So he kind of dodges the question slightly and he says, yes, of course I love you. But he doesn't use agape, he uses phileo. He says, I, I love you. Of course, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I love you. And then Jesus says this surprising thing to him. He says, feed my lambs. Peter doesn't really get it. He's not in that place to hear about reinstatement or anything else like that. Jesus presses in again, he says, Peter, Simon, son of John, he says, do you agape me? Do you love me? And I, I've always pictured this as, as actually Peter being a little irritated. It's in character. And he says, Lord, yeah, no, look, Yes, I love you, all right? Yeah, I love you. You know, don't go on about it. If the status changes, I'll let you know. Jesus won't let him off the hook. Jesus is intent. Jesus has eye contact and will not let go. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. But it's not enough. A third time, Jesus says to him, Peter, okay, do you phileo? Do you love me? Not agape, do you phileo me? Do you really love me? And Peter goes, oh. And this is getting embarrassing. And he, you know, what's Jesus doing? He's just rubbing. Okay, okay. Why don't you just say, I, you know, I mucked it up. Why, just, let's just get to the, let's talk about the elephant in the room. I denied you, yeah? Okay, right. But Jesus isn't talking about any elephant in the room. He's drawing Peter out. Jesus knows Peter loves him. He's drawing that out. He knows Jesus that, that Peter is heartbroken. So he meets him where he is. And he draws the best out of him. He says, Peter, listen to me. Do you love me. And Peter says, Lord God, you know all things. What can I say? 
I'm mucked up. But yes, I love you. And Jesus says, Peter, look at me. Feed my sheep. Jesus goes on, and the, the little commentary is a little confused, but, but I'll read it again and then wind up by just making a comment. Jesus says to Peter, he says, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you yourself went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Basically, what Jesus is saying, in my opinion, is three things. He said, up until this point of time, Peter, you've done my will your way. You've followed me, we've had many experiences together, but you've always had your own angle on it, your own take on it. You've done my will your way. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but I dare say in this room, there are many of us here who have followed Jesus on our terms. On our terms. But Jesus says, you know, in the past you've gone your own way, but now... From this day forth, Peter, you will do my will my way. You will go to places that you never dreamt of going. You will do things you, you never dreamt of doing. You will say things and be things, and you will end. Once you said to me, and Jesus says this to him, he says, once you said to me, I will follow you to the very death itself, and Actually, in that interaction, John 13, Jesus said to him, you will follow me to where I'm going, but not yet. And the scripture says, you know, Jesus was speaking of the way that Peter would eventually die. And of course, many of you will know that tradition has it that, yes, Peter was crucified, just like Jesus said in Rome. But tradition has it that he asked to be crucified upside down because he did not count himself as worthy of dying in the same manner as his Lord and Savior. So this broken Simon John, fisherman who's not very good at it, denier, blusterous, boisterous, larger than life, character who falls in love with the Son of Man, finds himself as dawn is breaking on a beautiful Galilean morning, meeting with the risen Lord who asks him if he loves him and then commands him to feed his sheep. In spite of everything, like Jean Valjean in that video clip. If you know that story, Jean Valjean is starts badly, he is in prison for 19 years for stealing bread, wrongly as it happens, for just trying to feed his family. He comes out embittered and this bishop takes him in and shows him kindness and hospitality, but he ends up 
just in an appalling manner, just stealing his stuff and striking him. But the old bishop sees beyond the broken man, sees the potential in the man. And the rest of the story as it unfolds, if you know it well, is, is one of, of difficulty and struggle, and, but it's one of redemption. One of redemption. So Jesus comes to Peter and his last word to Peter on this matter is, follow me. Follow me. So how does this fit for us? Do you identify with this story at all? Are you like Peter, one who has meant well and loves God, tried their hardest, but I don't know, it's just too hard. Something, you just, I don't know. You've disappointed yourself and you're darn sure you've disappointed God, or so you think. Is that you? Are you still, after all these years, carrying shame and guilt? Because if so, I believe the Lord Jesus is here. He is risen. Life wins. And he wants you to hear this morning that our God is the God of second chances. That our God comes to you, whatever your name is, Simon, John, Peter, or whatever. He comes to you. Whoever you are, wherever you are, and he says to you, do you love me? And you can't lie to God. Oh, yeah, there's a whole lot of other priorities and important things and issues and all this kind of thing. But yet, buried deep within you, you love God. How that happened, you do not know. But you love, you love him. The Father would reinstate you this morning as a, as a son, as, as a daughter. He would say to you, I have a place in my kingdom for you. I have things for you to do. But above all, he says to each and every one of us, follow me, my way, my will, and not yours.